Welcome to the MFR Coaches Podcast, where we talk about how you can create your own MFR business, how to have one, and what to do to get started. Each week, we will discuss practical ways to create a business that keeps you from under-earning and burning out. I'm your host, Heather Hommel. Over 10 years ago, I decided to change my massage practice to MFR only. I became fully booked and have enjoyed years of success helping people to get out of pain and return to active lifestyles. I'm here to help you do it too, even if you live in a tiny town and even if you've never had a business before. Let's go. All right. Welcome everybody into the next episode of the MFR Coaches Podcast. I have a very special guest with me today, Tavana Denise, who was my very first life coach. And Tavana, why don't you tell, tell everybody about yourself? Well, hello everyone. And thank you, Heather, for inviting me. I am so honored and excited to be on your podcast. I'm like, I was there from the very beginning. <laughs> right. So, yeah, for everyone who is joining in, I'm Tavana Denise. I am a former physical therapist, life and business coach for coaches who want to sell out their services, whether they're one-on-one or group programs within 90 days. And I help them do that through stress-free and sold-out launches. So that's what I'm up to these days. Awesome. Okay. So we met back in 2020, I think in June and I still was running my MFR practice and I was kind of in a spot of figuring out what I was going to do next. Like I was getting ready for another shutdown and we talked and, and then like my whole entire business model changed. So now I'm a life coach for myofascial release therapists, wrote a book. Now I have a podcast and now I'm like you, I'm like a life coach. So I just think that's so fun. (laughs) Yeah. I think it's really cool that you can just decide that you want to do something different Yeah, and be incredibly successful at it. And it's been so much fun watching you just go through that process where it's like, oh, you're so confident and cool and all this stuff now, but I was there. (laughs) (laughs) We make light of that, but I just really want to point that out for everybody that's listening. That's in that, like, I don't know, should I do this? Can I do this stage that we all go through that? And so it's really important to notice, like you see Heather, you see me and you see other people that you might follow, like, oh my gosh, their business is amazing. I could never do that. Look how far along they are. And I'm like, "Mm, we all had some thrashing, some mental thrashing that we had to go through and there's space for all of us. So. Yeah, totally. So I think the biggest turning point for me was learning about thought work and you were my first teacher about thought work. Can you kind of speak to the model and how you use it in your coaching practice? Mm. Yeah, I will say to anybody, like the model and just understanding that my thoughts really create everything that I see in my life changed my life. And even more specifically, I remember talking to my coach, Chris, and when we learned that you have a thought, the thought creates your feeling. And then I just stopped right there. I was like, wait a minute, I don't have to feel like crap every day. All I have to do is change the thought and then I feel differently. And I was like, lady, I think you have just given me the keys to life. And she literally did just because I felt at that time I was so burned out in healthcare. I was so stressed out. I was really, I really felt lost. I was like, 
I don't know what I'm going to do. I'm not even 40 years old. I don't want to do like I was in that headspace and just hating life and hating work and hating all the things. And when she taught me that the reason I felt that way was because of how I was thinking about work. I was like, everything changed. Like all of a sudden I'm back to work. I'm enjoying it. I'm not, you know, like, so I just felt so good. And because I felt better, I had way more energy to do the things that I wanted to do for my business so that I could make the change from that place, as opposed to, I got to burn everything down because I hate this. Um, so with the model, we find that whatever circumstance or situation is happening in our lives, we have most of the time, unconsciously, we have thoughts about it. And those thoughts make us feel a certain way. We have emotions that come up, happy, sad, angry, glad, frustrated. And when we are in those spaces, we do certain things. So we take certain actions. We have certain behaviors. We react in a certain way. Like I know for me, when I'm feeling frustrated, my behavior is totally different than when I'm elated, excited, Mm -hmm. uh, hopeful, Right. right? Or curious. And when I take certain actions over and over and over again, clearly they create my results. So the difference is in the way that I was trained to coach people and the way that Heather was trained to coach people was that we don't just go to, okay, you want to have a business, then you need to do this, 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 and this. That's not the only thing we do because we also know that sometimes our clients have fears about doing this, 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 and this. And so we help with the action plan, but we also go in and talk about the thoughts. Because I think this was something that was really interesting when you were writing your book, Heather, that you expressed to me where you had just seen people say, well, you should just double your rates. That was all they would tell people. And it just felt ick and it felt gross and like you really wanted to help people understand that it's not just raise your rates. Like, why are you doing that? Right. And how does it feel when you think about raising your rates and can you come up with a price and structure that feels very aligned, that feels good and valuable to you and the clients. And it really serves you and it serves the client to really show up and be present for the treatment. So I thought that's how I love to coach people around their business is not just the strategy. It's also the mindset so that you feel better and you feel good about taking the action. So yeah, that's how I use the model in my business. Hopefully that helps. Yeah. It's like figuring out when you have the model and you learn how to use it, like your whole life changes, right? Like your whole perception of how you experience life and business, because I know I used to feel like everything was just happening to me at all times, like at this fast pace. Right. And I was just kind of a victim of, of everything, even though like I was successful and I have had a great life. There was this part of me that was always searching for something more and just like this dissatisfaction with certain things. And those certain things kind of spill into everything. Cause I think you've said this, like how you do one thing, you do everything. Mm-hmm. So when you have this like little little big area that it just like spills into everything that you're doing. Right. So you don't maybe fully enjoy anything, even the most highest of highs in your life. So that's some of the work we've done together. And I just have to say, like, I'm so appreciative of you. I love it. I just love that. I just love that I've had that experience. And I also love that when as part of our coaching, you know, I was trying to figure out what I was going to do. 
And I knew that I always wanted to be in the myofascial release community and I wanted to be helping, um, working with those therapists. And you were like, well, what do you know about your business? Like, what do you know about running a myofascial release business? Just write it all down. Mm-hmm. And that's literally how my book was born. I just wrote it all down. And then I had enough for the book. I really didn't have to do much else. Like it was just there, you know, I interviewed people and gathered some data, but it was, it was as good as done. And you also taught me that there doesn't need to be this level of perfection in order to have the success, like having it done, like as good as done energy is as good as worrying and procrastinating, you know, like actually there's no need to worry or procrastinate or think about things for long-term because once you decide, you can just get the thing done. Yeah. I mean, I think it's hard for a number of us, especially in the the healing spaces, the healthcare spaces to just be like, just get it done. It doesn't have to be perfect. When we come from following rules and protocols and procedures that are life-saving in many cases. So it makes sense that there's a great fear for many people to not want to fail, to not want to get it wrong, to not want to make mistakes, to, you know, want to get it right. But the interesting thing about it is like every one of those protocols that we follow came from experiments and trying and making mistakes and trial and all of these things so that we could figure out the best way. And so the interesting thing about business, I think it's a beautiful blend between art and science because a lot of different things work. So we get to try a bunch of things and figure out what works for us. And the biggest tragedy that I see with new business owners is that they are so petrified to make a mistake that they will stay frozen in place and just won't take any action. And it's like, oh my gosh, if you would just take some kind of action, you would get enough data or feedback to just make a new choice. We can always make a new choice. It's not a big deal. You know, you and I say it's not a big deal a lot. (laughs) And I I think it is really a a great affirmation or mantra, right? Because when you say it's not a big deal or it's not a problem, like it just gives you the space to calm down, Mm -hmm. calm down just enough so that you can think straight and make another move. So I love that. Yeah. I love that. I think I'm going to be saying that a lot today things just aren't a big deal unless we make them a big deal. And we, we don't ever have to do that. And it's like, what is your level of perfectionism that's creating this environment where, you know, you are putting all this pressure on yourself, like to the point where you can't make decisions or you're frozen. And I know with a lot of the therapists that I work with, it's decisions as simple as like picking where they want to rent or setting their prices or what hours they want to work. It's like, they're putting so much pressure on themselves that there is a right or a wrong way to do it. So then they just do nothing. Well, so here's the interesting thing about that though, Heather, when we think about like, what is the right or the wrong way to do something? I'm like, your way is the right way. Yeah. Whichever way is your way. That's the right way. (laughs) Exactly. And guess what? You can change it next month. It's not a big deal. So it's like, and it's so interesting because here's the proof that there is no one right way because there are many people that are successful in your industry who are doing it differently. So just pick your way yeah, and move forward. Because I've had this experience too, and maybe you have too, Heather, where it's like, okay, well, I don't know if I want to work with people for X amount of time. So start with the part that you feel comfortable with and say, I'm going to commit to working with five people. 
in this way. And afterwards, I'm going to reassess and make changes based on that. So I think when you give yourself permission to make a decision and commit, but you also kind of give yourself an out. Yeah. Instead of not not just saying, okay, I'm just going to do one and I'm going to keep changing things willy-nilly. Like, no, I am deciding, I am committing for this period of time or for this many people or for this many packages. So let's say, for example, you're not ready to double your rates. You say, okay, I know this rate is not serving me in my bottom line. So I'm going to go up about 50% and I'm going to do this commit to five packages. Let me just sell five packages. And then after that, I'm going to take it up a little bit more. So that way you, you give yourself markers to where, you know, you're not trapped. I think I find, at least with my clients, they feel like if I said it's set in stone, I can't change it and I'm going to be stuck, you know? So. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. But the funny thing though is Heather, it's like, hello, you're the boss. Yeah. You get to make the rules and you get to change it. And I think we talk about done energy, stuck energy and all of this. I really think about CEO energy. So many of us, and I had this, this challenge because I used to have a physical therapy contracting company, but it was a contracting company of one. And so I basically was renting myself out (laughs) to other um, organizations and institutions to work with as a, I call it like a substitute teacher kind of thing. Like it would come in when people needed uh, a break or were on maternity leave or whatever, but it still was like an upgraded employee mentality. It's like, I set my schedule, but it's still, it's still that same energy. Whereas when you are running a business, there is a different mentality that you have to, that you have to take. It's like you get to decide and you get to make the rules. Mm -hmm. And so I think that is one of the biggest challenges that a number of new business owners have difficulty with. The mental shifts and the thrashing that takes place in between is why having a coach is so important. That's why my biggest jumps in my business from 40 to 200K came with mindset shifts and it came from having really focused coaching specifically around the mindset because I went from 10,000 to 40,000 in a year just from the actions like do this, do that, do this, do that. Okay, that was great to move me from 10,000 to 40,000. But to go from 40,000 to 200,000 the next year was a lot, almost primarily mindset. And as much as I do self-coaching and I write down my thoughts and I see like the, the difference is having somebody outside of my brain that is used to thinking those thoughts and believing they're true to have somebody saying, oh, wait a minute, that's actually a thought. (laughs) That's not the truth. And what if you thought about it this way or have you considered that? And so I think having that kind of space to be with somebody who sees you no matter what, like whether or not I succeed, like we're just looking at your brain and deciding like, this is what you want. This is what I see is standing between you and it. And here are your options. You're not a good person if you get it. You're not a bad person if you don't, but I see you and I love you. And here are your options. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, like we're as the coach just watching their brain so we can reflect it back to them. Mm-hmm. Like, this is what your brain is doing. You think it's the truth or you think this is how it has to be, but it's just a thought. And the old thing that we say is your thoughts create your results, which blows my mind all of the time. Whenever 
well, it's all, all the time whenever I get a result, right? I like to think back, like, what was the thought that created that? Or what was I thinking on purpose to make this happen? It's not always about, like how you said you had that jump from 10 to 40,000 in one year based on your actions. Imagine if your thoughts, like if your thoughts were on purpose ahead of those actions, like what your results would have been. Like that's the difference between hustle and like yeah. autopilot. I mean, and, and to be fair, this is for somebody I've been certified in this work since 2014. So I'm not immune to it. It's not mm-hmm. like, you know, because I think right. one thing that I got caught up in was especially because I've been into self-help since 2001. And so mm-hmm. sometimes there's this thought that, oh, well, I've read all these books and I've done all these things. Well, I should know better. Or I should know this by now. And it, it sometimes goes into a shame spiral of like, oh. and then when I personally feel shame, then I retreat and I don't reach out and I don't want help. But I was like, no, I'm going to lean into all of this. I don't care if I've been doing this work for six years at the at the time. I need somebody to help me look at this brain because clearly something is off. I'm doing all the things and I'm exhausted. So something Mm -hmm. needs, something's different. Something needs to change or I need to look at something differently. And that's where, yeah, I was like, I need a coach that can help me also look at my mind, not just give me strategy. Yeah. I love that. And I think had I just gotten a strategy coach back in June, everything would be totally different. It would, you know, I'd, I'm sure I would still be successful. I don't know that I would be doing this. It's like, that's an interesting thing to think about. What would I be doing? I don't know, but I know that my mind wouldn't be as managed as it is now. And I have like a long way to go. Like, this is a lifetime mm-hmm. thing, right? Like I want to have better relationships with my friends, with my spouse, with my children, with myself really. And I think that's where I'm working on now is like really getting to know myself at this new place for the first time. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's like an onion layers, (laughs) fun layers. Yeah. Yeah. And we say that in myofascial release all the time too, like with people's pain, like you never know what's going to come out in a treatment is it is like peeling an onion when you get to the next layer. And that's the same with coaching. And, and it's, it's so important to, I think, I don't know. It just applies to everything in life. And I, I love it so much. And I love to see like when I'm working with my clients, my myofascial release people like to see their confidence increase. And it's all because of what they're thinking. Like nothing else has changed. They've just decided like, yeah, it's like, I have had enough classes. I can do this. And then they do it. And it's like amazing. And then they help so many people because the level of confidence has, has clicked yeah. in. I think that you just touched on a really important point where we talk about the certifications. Cause I see that a lot in my work with healthcare professionals and they're like, Oh, but I don't have a coaching certification. Can I be a coach? And, and it's really interesting that they think that the circumstance of having a certification or not having a certification is what will bring the confidence. And it's so funny because I have some clients that have no coaching certification and they have mega confidence. And with that comes lots of money. And then there are other ones that have the certification and they still don't have the confidence. And so that right there shows us that it's not the certification or lack thereof. It's what you're thinking about it. And so I love that you were talking about when you help your clients see that, oh, wait, I do have enough classes. I've taken enough to get started. I think that's the thing. That word enough is really tricky for some people. 
And like, you can get stuck in the scarcity mentality of it's not enough time. It's not enough money. It's not enough knowledge. And whenever you get stuck in that, it's like, well, when do you ever like satiate that beast? It's always going to be not enough. But when you just decide just in that shift of, oh, wait, I have taken enough classes to at least get started. Right. And you get started and you help people where you are. And then at least this is what I found to be the case when I was practicing. It's like, oh, you start getting a bunch of, I don't know, patients with um, vestibular issues. And you're like, hmm. I don't think I remember enough from school. Or I don't think I know enough about that. <laughs> Let me go take a class about this specifically. But that doesn't stop you from yeah. helping all of the people that you helped before. And I think what I, at least what I've learned through osmosis of you and, and watching you in your community is like, there are so many MFR practitioners that even if you bump into somebody that in a, into a client that you don't actually know everything that you could do, you can just reach out to somebody. Yeah. And you can just decide like you do know enough to help them and at least try right. to help them. Right. And you can ask questions and just apply the skills that, you know, there's no way you won't help them just applying what, you know, right. John even says at MFR one, like, you know, more information now than anyone else doing traditional therapy, like to do this work, just go, just go and do it. And you'll get better with practice. Of course, your hands are going to be shaky in the beginning, Right. It's just like learning how to walk. Like none of us knew how to walk before we knew how to walk. And we weren't judging ourselves while we were pushing up into a crawling position and then getting on our knees and getting on our feet and starting to go, even though our legs were shaky. It's the same thing with applying like myofascial release for the first time to the first stranger patient. Like your hands might be shaky, but just remember like being that baby, like you, you never judged yourself before you could walk. So why are you judging yourself before you are? an experienced therapist. Just you get the experience while you're experiencing it, while you're doing the treatment. And I've gotten MFR and I didn't know what she was doing. And I'm like, so she could have been making up stuff. Nobody knows. <laughs> and I would have I would have never known. Right. So it's like we get so all up in our heads when we don't even really know what the experience of the client is. Yeah. Totally. I love it. I love it so much. All right. What would be your advice to someone who is thinking that they want a life coach, but they think life coaching is kind of weird? What would you say to them? Why do they think life coaching is weird? <laughs> you know, <I'm> like <laughs> that, that it's so funny. The life coach in me doesn't have an answer. She has a question. Yeah, I love it. So um I think it's really interesting too, because that is what we do. As a coach, the difference to me between a coach and a consultant is my instinct is to ask questions. I want to better understand where you're coming from, what you need, what your goals are, so that you can come to the best answer for you. What would be weird about it? Mm -hmm. What do you think is weird? Those, those are questions that you want to ask yourself first, because when we just stop at that surface level question, like, oh, or that surface level thought, oh, that's weird then we're shut down to all possibility around, well, well, how could they actually help me? As opposed to, okay, you have that thought, that's weird. Well, what exactly do you think is weird about it? And so once you know what you think is weird about it, then that, that would be the space to kind of question, well, actually, what would be weird about it? So I had this whole thing when I was doing burnout for healthcare professionals, where 
there are things that I call thrival skills. You know, I'm really great with words. And so there's survival skills (laughs) and we know about survival skills. But I felt like when I left school, high school, college, whatever, I didn't really know how to thrive as an adult. I mean, I kind of knew how to survive and I knew how to get by. And as I watched all of my colleagues just walk around like walking zombies and burn out left and right, what I realized from my work as a life coach was that there were certain skills that we were never taught in school. We just had to pick them up or I got from years of reading and stuff like that. And it's like there is no life skills like no school for how to live life. And so being with a life coach helps you with those skills, those things that you never got access to in school. Yeah. Like we got science, math, all of that stuff, but nobody taught us about emotional intelligence. Nobody taught us about active listening. Nobody taught us about effective communication. Nobody taught us about those things. And nobody talked to me. I mean, maybe they did in your school, Heather, but nobody talked to me about goal setting. Nobody talked to me about how my mind actually works and how to get what I want out of this thing called life. It's just like, yeah, well, here's geometry and uh, here's some, I don't know. (laughs) Like, I don't think I ever used geometry. I might be wrong, but it's like, The life coach helps you with those skills so that you can thrive in life. Yeah. I love that. I love if that's weird. It's who cares? It's not weird. I think it's just, I know when you first sent me like your coach's podcast, the life coach school podcast with Brooke Steele, Mm -hmm. I was like, I think I messaged you back and I was like, is that seriously the name? So funny. (laughs) Right. And then a month later I was signing up to be a life coach at the life coach school. So, right. So people like, um, Oh, where did you get certified? I said, I got certified at the life coach school. It's literally called the life coach school. That's how I say it all the time now. So like, it's literally yeah. called the life coach school. Yeah. A great name. Great name. Very clear. It, yeah. It's very clear it, but it makes me chuckle every time. I love it. Okay. So going back to emotional intelligence, mm-hmm. I think my, one of my aha moments in coaching was, they kind of pointed out like in kindergarten, you're basically taught from a young age that you're responsible for everybody else's feelings. Like go say sorry to Nancy because you hurt her feelings. And I think most of us have grown up thinking that we have this responsibility to make people feel a certain way. And that's a lot of pressure. Can you speak to that in a way like how, you know, we obviously we coach our clients on that right away, but Oh, what a disservice. Yeah. I mean, I think it's from well-meaning people, but how can you teach what you don't know? Right. Right. So the the example of go say sorry because you hurt Nancy's feelings. I'm like, <laughs> really? You really hurt Nancy's feelings? And I think it is it does a disservice because then we carry that into our relationships with our significant others. I'm I'm sorry I made you feel that way. No. And it's very disempowering because if we go back to how we explain the model, is there is a circumstance or a situation that happens. And that situation or circumstance is factual. It just is what it is. Yep. So the pandemic of 2020 is what it is. That is very factual. There was a a virus that made everybody stay in their, like the governors and the people made people stay in their houses. Mm -hmm. Okay. 
that just is what it is. Then we have thoughts about the governors and the mayors and the whomevers saying, stay in your house. That's where all the drama lies. And because we had those thoughts, then we felt a certain way. Because we had those thoughts, then we felt a certain way. Mm -hmm. The governor or mayor or whomever, and I say that because I'm in Atlanta, and if you know anything, there was this tiff back and forth between the governor being a man and the the mayor being a woman. And it was, anyway. So, (laughs) (laughs) right. And so we get into a very, yes, there's pressure, but then there's also really a bit of manipulation. And then there's disempowered state that comes from it. Because if we're taking responsibility for other people's thoughts and feelings and we think that we have that power and then we think that others have that power over us, then we become the victims of what's happening around us. And you made me mad. Yeah. No, I felt mad because of what I was thinking about what you did. Right. I felt rejected because of the thoughts that I had when you didn't call me back or whatever, when we think about relationships. So I think one of the most powerful things that we teach our clients and that we learn to do is take responsibility for our own thoughts and feelings and let them have responsibility for their thoughts and feelings. And this is super powerful for any of us who are in business that have clients, powerful in the sales conversation. Yes. It's also powerful in the delivery. Like you do your best and you show up in doing your best and you allow that person to feel however they're going to feel. Like we talked about one of the reasons why we we're so afraid of picking a schedule is if we change our schedule, oh my God, will they be upset with me? Cause I changed, I'd no longer work on Fridays. Right. Okay, well, that's the circumstance. And they get to think however they want about the circumstance of you not being open on Fridays. They get to feel however they want about it. But the circumstance of you not being open on Fridays didn't actually cause their feelings. Their thoughts about it caused their feelings. And when we can really, really own that and get that, it is such a beautiful freedom (laughs) that we get from that. It's very hard in the beginning to do because that's just not how we were taught and it's not how we were wired. And even if you understand this, at least I know for myself, understanding the model, I was like, okay, cool. I can change my thoughts and feelings. But then I still also thought that I could manipulate other people's thoughts and feelings. (laughs) If you just try it hard enough. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. If I just, if I say it this way, then it's less likely to make them feel upset. Yeah. And I'm like, but I am not a mind reader. And so I don't actually know. So I'm going to say what I need to say from a place of love and then let them do what they will with it. Right. And I think that if nothing else, working with the life coach helps you rewire and reset that. Yeah. Don't you think too, like people who have this desire to be heard or to feel like they're not ever heard maybe comes a little bit from that place where they do think the other person is responsible for, for how they're feeling. So they need to get the words out. So the other person can feel how they're feeling, even though 
Like we can't feel what someone else is feeling because we're not necessarily having the exact same thought. So like, if I'm upset with you and I tell you what you did upset me, Mm -hmm. it's not about what you did that upset me. It's my thoughts about what you did. It's like crazy to me when you start, you know, writing it all out. Yeah. I mean, I think if I'm understanding you correctly, it's really interesting because some people are speaking their truth because they're rooting it in themselves. And some people are speaking it because they want you to do something about how they felt. Right. And that is the tricky part. And that is still a bit manipulative. I actually had a client message me the other day and say she for the first time um, because she was having issues going live Mm -hmm. and her her mom always had something to say about her appearance when she went live Mm -hmm. that she had to have her hair looking a certain way, have makeup on, not have glares on her glasses and all these other things. When I read that, if I didn't have my coach hat on, I was like, dang mama, (laughs) so critical. But with the coach hat, I just asked, okay, so what did you do? Or how did you feel about that? And she said she, for the first time, realized that she didn't have to uh, say anything to have her mom agree. She didn't have to say it to make her mom change her mind about how her mom thought she should be when she went live. She just had to say it for her Mm -hmm. just so that she could reflect back to herself that it's okay to just go live the way she is. Because here's the truth of the matter. And I worked with her for quite a while on this is that guess what? If she's not all done up and wearing makeup and all of this stuff in the clinic, what does it matter? This is how like she's seeing these people that would be clients without makeup on all the time and without her hair done a certain way. Right. So why does it matter if she's if she's presenting herself in the exact way that they would encounter her in the clinic? Yeah, it doesn't. It was just her mom's thoughts about how women should be online. Right. And so whenever she kept taking on her mom's thoughts, or if she felt like she wanted her mom to think a certain way about her, then she got all squirrely and manipulative and, or just didn't show up in her business because she didn't want to feel or hear whatever her mom was going to say. And so when we worked on, how do you allow your mom to say whatever she's going to say? And let her mom have her thoughts and you continue to have your thoughts, Mm -hmm. then she had the freedom to show up in her business, how she wanted to and respond respectfully to her mom without changing herself. Yeah. Like her mom didn't even have to know what she was doing. Like she didn't really have to say anything to her mom about like the choice that she made, whether or not to do makeup or why she wasn't going to do her makeup. Right. She could just have another conversation with her mom about something totally different. It's not like it has to be this drawn out. Like, I know you said this, but I'm going to do this because these are my reasons why. Like you just actually just internally get to be okay with your decisions and and then you're not even concerned with if the other person knows why you're doing it or not. Yeah. I mean, I think it's really interesting too when we dive into like the difference between a coach who just does strategy and one like you, Heather, that does the mindset and the strategy is like how could we have known what else was going on in her head if we didn't have the tools of the model and things like that. It would just be like, okay, why aren't you showing up? Why aren't, you know, you're supposed to show up. And then every, every week she would get to be embarrassed or ashamed or frustrated or whatever about not showing up. If I didn't also have the ability to 
help her see what was going on. Yeah. That's life-changing too. This kind of like breaking through a massive barrier or something that could keep her stuck for a really long time. And she was just able to be like, this just really isn't a problem actually. Right. Mom just have certain thoughts. Yeah. Moms (laughs) have thoughts and like, that's okay. Like we have thoughts too. It's okay. Like all of it's okay. I think it's just so mind blowing though. When people discover that, like, oh yeah, I I don't have to do that anymore. Huh? Weird. (laughs) That was really a problem for like 40 years, but now it's not. Because sometimes change happens like that. It's just like literally like snapping your fingers and then other things take a little while longer. Mm. Yes. <laughs> yes, indeed. Which is, kind of, which is kind of what you were saying, like with MFR and the unwinding and the the onion, right? So some things you pull one thing back and then there's another. Okay, let's pull that back. Yeah. So. Yeah. It's like when our clients come to us and they've been in chronic pain for years and they think that they should be better in two sessions, or they think that they should never go through a healing crisis and they don't want to. Right. So they're like coming in with these expectations. I shall be better in two sessions and I shall not ever hurt any worse than I do right now. And if you can't do that, then you're not my therapist. Right. Some people come in with those expectations and then us as the therapist need to be able to ask good questions and to educate from a place where we're not afraid of our clients' thoughts about what we're educating them on. Like we are just delivering the news to them about how it's going to go. And we like our reasons for the therapy that we're doing. And we believe in the results we're going to be able to provide for them. And then it is still up to that client, whether or not they're going to buy in. And we're just doing the best job we can educating them and supporting them and letting them know that we're not you know, we're all in, we're not giving up on you. Don't give up on yourself. Mm -hmm. And how can I help you not give up on yourself? Right. Same with like coaching a therapist. Like how can I help you not give up on yourself before you even start or you're half started? How can we keep going together to make this work for you? Because this is what you really want. And it's your thoughts about what's happening. That's creating the drama of why it's not. happening. Yeah. I think the analogy you gave about the healing crisis, because of course I saw that with my patients in physical therapy too, is really important to just like set the expectation, like, Hey, this may happen. Like it may feel worse before it feels better. And I think the same thing happens in our business. We get all jazzed up about starting the business and I'm I'm experiencing this right now. I bought a thousand piece puzzle. And why did I do that? Why (laughs) don't I do that? (laughs) And I'm like, Oh, it'll be fun. I don't want to watch as much TV. This is going to be, you know, I had, I was all excited. Yeah. So this is the same as when we get ready to start our business. And I opened up the box and I was like, Oh, it's still all of these pieces. Right. I'm like, uh, it'll still be fine. I think. (laughs) And so then I'm going through the pieces and I'm like, okay, of course you're supposed to do the edges first. Mm -hmm. And I could not get all the edges together. And I'm like, this is so frustrating. Why did I, what made me think this was a good idea? Like, this is literally the business, like, right. What is happening in business? So I put it away for a second and then I come back to it and I can start to see pieces come together and then it gets fun again. Yeah. Oh, okay. All right. And then I'm looking at it and then I send pictures to my mom and she's like, oh, it's really starting to come together. Now, meanwhile, I still must have at least 700 pieces in a box, but you can start seeing stuff come together. And it's like with our businesses, 
now, even though it's hard, every once in a while I sit down there for several hours, it's taken me several hours and it still doesn't look like this thing is coming together, but you see little pieces of it, just like your business. And it's really cool because I'm noticing this metaphor for business. And I'm like, every time I find two pieces that fit together, I get this little hit of excitement. Like, oh buddy, I'm figuring it out. And so I, I just really love that analogy for our business. Like we go through the whole thing. If it was just, I decided to start a business. I started it. Everything worked perfectly. The first time I tried it, then I made all this money and it was not a big deal. I had no struggle, no drama. Like that would be the most boring thing ever. And I think people would quit because it's just not a challenge at all. Yeah. Everybody would have a business if it was like so simple, right? Everybody would do it. I love that. Like I can totally see that picture of you putting together the puzzle. And I can also see you really celebrating all those small wins of like clicking the two or three pieces together. And maybe it's really minor in the big scale of things, but without the little pieces, you couldn't have the full puzzle. So, right. And I think too often we discount in business, our little wins, like setting up our Google listing or getting our Facebook page, you know, like that takes time and effort and you have to have had thoughts ahead of time about that to get it done and follow through. And it's just like all the little pieces of the puzzle have to come together and you're just doing it and getting it done. And you are also like eye on the prize, like the bigger picture, Mm -hmm. but you don't have to be right at the bigger picture. Like you can have fun along the way and celebrate along the way and enjoy it and not enjoy it and not make that mean anything has gone wrong. Right. These are like the little pieces that come together. It's a puzzle where it's a Disney puzzle with a bunch of different characters. So I'm like, oh, I got the evil witch. I got you know, this chick coming together. I got sleepy. I got dopey. Like I'm getting all the, like the little teeny parts and then eventually Mm -hmm. I'll fill in the rest. And it's the same thing with business. So I love it. I'm so glad you were here with me today talking with me on my podcast. This has been so fun. Would you like to tell the audience how people could get a hold of you if they wanted to look you up and possibly work with you later on? Yeah. I'm everywhere at Tavana Denise, TavanaDenise.com. And that's spelled T-A-V as in Victor, O-N-A, Denise, D-E-N-I-S-E. I'm active on Facebook, Instagram, and then you can find me on my website. Come play with me. Let's talk. Awesome. You won't be sorry. (laughs) Thanks again for being here. We'll see you guys next time on the MFR Coaches Podcast. Have a great day. Bye. Thanks for joining me this week on the MFR Coaches Podcast. Check out my book, The MFR Coaches Guide to Having Your Own Myofascial Release Business. Autographed copies are available at my website, www.themfrcoach.com. Kindle version and print also available on Amazon. Follow me on Facebook and Instagram at The MFR Coach for more info on today's topic. As always, subscribe to the show to catch every new episode and leave us a review so we can continue to bring you fresh content. See you next week.